So when we say we are going to hold our people accountable, it is completely and totally different than the concept that we are going to help our people become more accountable. Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall, I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant, and this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot. So thanks for being here, and if you haven't yet been over to leadershipgym.com, head on over there, and if you're listening to this as it's being released, we're still building it, so I'm excited for you to go see what's coming. And if you are listening to this well after it's been released, then the doors are open, and if you haven't been yet, you get to go inside and start working on leadership, start working on your own development as a leader in a whole lot of different ways. But thanks for being here for the podcast, too. It's just another tool that we're trying to provide as we continue to have a robust conversation about what good leadership is in the world because we think that's important, certainly important for businesses. Uh, we think it's important as well for communities, for families. Leadership really does matter, and we want to make sure that we're getting better at it and doing it in a way that matters for the people we are leading and the, the communities and the businesses we are leading, not just approaching it in a way that feels good to us, because sometimes that doesn't necessarily get the good results that we need. Sometimes those two things are aligned, but often they're not. And today we are talking about accountability. I think accountability, as much as any other word, is getting used more and more in businesses and organizations and really even just in society. I, I usually, I usually hear the word accountability when people are thinking about holding someone accountable. Often I'll be working with an executive or a manager and they will say things like, I need to hold my team fully accountable for their actions. Now, if you think about that, and we'll break it down a little bit, but as you think about it, that's the manager taking some action. So the person's not more accountable, they're just doing something to them. There have been a lot of conversations like that where they think about accountability as something I do to someone. Uh, sometimes you'll hear it in a little different context, and it's more like, I want to build a fully accountable team, or I want to create a culture of accountability, which is a little different because they're thinking about building this environment where people are accountable rather than sort of doing something to someone to hold them accountable. If you think about it in the strictest sense of the word, you do think of it as kind of a ledger correction. We have to even the score or set the record straight or fully account for the errors and mistakes that were made, for the things that weren't done correctly, and now we have to hold people to account for them. And this is the way I think most people think about accountability. Someone did something wrong and they need to be held accountable for their incorrect actions. What that really means is 
we are in charge or us as leaders or us as some other outside individual is going to issue a set of consequences for the actions the person took or the mistakes that they made, for the choices they made. Keep in mind, this is, as I said, not the person themselves who make the mistake becoming more accountable for their actions. This is someone outside of that individual somewhere else issuing a punishment for what they did. This is some accountant, or in this case, an outside authority, issuing some form of punishment that now evens the score, gets us back to zero, back to even on our ledger. So when we say we are going to hold our people accountable, it is completely and totally different than the concept that we are going to help our people become more accountable. Completely different. Accountability is something we do to someone because they messed up. So we're issuing punishment, not increasing their capability. And we can't confuse the two or we end up doing accountability wrong. That, that is unless our only definition of accountability is that we go punish after mistakes. And certainly there are times in leadership roles and in management positions inside organizations, that's what we do, right? We go issue some set of consequences. But for the most part, if we are thinking about building a fully accountable team, that means that the people are different after we issued the punishment or after we did whatever action we took to help them become more accountable, and it's probably not issuing the punishment. It may be a different approach, which we'll talk about. But, but accountability as a concept within a culture means people behave differently ahead of, of the mistake. And so we have to start thinking about things a little bit differently as leaders, or our job as a leader now largely becomes about oversight and punishment for errors. And that's kind of how we think about it in some roles when we call it a supervisor. But there's still ways, no matter what we call it, to do it in a way that helps people become more accountable as we do it. So there may be people listening now who are saying, well, yeah, that's my job. That's my job is to supervise these people and make sure they don't mess up and then hold them accountable if they do. So let's just go with that for a second and we'll let that play out. First of all, if that's our job, if we think about leadership that way where we supervise others and, and we watch them and if they screw up, we, we go in and now issue some sort of punishment for that. What are we spending most of our time doing as leaders? We begin to pursue a strategy for leadership that, that sort of believes that excellence is a result of an aggressive lack of failure because that's what we're focused on. We're focused on where are the failures occurring and how can I issue consequences in a way that stop the failures from occurring. We approach our work as a leader by framing it in a way that says, if I can eliminate all the mistakes, then we're doing good work. My team is better as a result of my aggressive mistake elimination process. And so that's the first part that we kind of have to believe in if we think of our job that way. If we think our job is to go find mistakes and then issue sets of consequences to the people that make the mistakes, hold them accountable for the mistake they made, then we kind of think about it that way. 
And the second thing we kind of have to believe is that issuing consequences when people screw up is how they stop screwing up. So we also have to believe, we also have in our mix of why we do these things, that if I inflict some pain here at the end of the mistake process, when I discover it, that people will screw up less. We start to bank our future, our team, the future of our business, the future of ourselves as a leader on this concept that if I can inflict enough discomfort on another individual who made a mistake, I can change their behavior. Now I'm describing this in, in obviously sort of an extreme way, and I'm not suggesting that everyone who does it has some sort of negative motive. Often that's just the pattern we find ourselves in as leaders, where we are looking for things that are wrong and trying to make them less wrong because that feels like progress, because it does feel like we do better work if I can eliminate some of the errors from the process. So I'm not suggesting that it's not a normal thing to start to feel that way. It is also important for us to break it down in a way to determine, is that our best set of efforts? Is that our best set of spends of our time? Is that our best set of of organized approaches to helping a team become better? Is that our best set of behaviors as a leader? I know that we're thinking about this when I talk about discomfort and consequences. We're not inflicting physical pain here, but our corrections might look like bringing someone into our office and pointing out their errors or telling them that they need to step it up or talking to them in some way that is instructional or designed to fix their mistakes and change their behavior. Our consequences may not look really severe to us, but our focus is still on interacting with others in a way that reduces their errors and causes them to do better work through error reduction. So essentially three things have to be true for this accountability thing to work in this context, in the context of, of the way we've just described it around finding errors and then issuing consequences when we see them. Leaders have to spend their time finding errors. That's what leaders do in, in a world that looks like this. Leaders have to spend their time issuing consequences, and that has to be their tool for behavior change, at least much of the time. And teams have to become significantly better, more capable, if we are able to reduce errors in their work. We kind of have to believe those three things if we operate this way. And I may have just described the philosophy of people management for many out there. And what I want to do is give you a little different view on accountability that will cause you to think, I hope, might cause you to think, more deeply about this concept and possibly develop a slightly different approach to leadership in a world where we would like more accountable people and also good work. So what if we think about accountability as something people do for themselves that helps them perform at a much higher level consistently and sets them up for more success. And what if we could cause that? What if we could actually cause people to become more accountable because of the way we interacted with them as a leader? What if accountability was what happened before the mistake to prevent it 
rather than what we did to a person after the screw-up happened? What if accountability happens in order to prevent the mistake in the first time? And what if we as leaders could actually increase the level of daily accountability on our teams proactively rather than reactively addressing the mistakes that got made? And what if mistakes were completely unavoidable and an incredible source of learning that we are now treating like something that shouldn't happen on our watch? What if our belief about mistakes was they were a really valuable learning tool? Now let's not carry it to the other extreme where we're saying that people can just keep making them over and over. That's part of our coaching process that we'll certainly get into at some point here on the podcast and certainly on the Leadership Gym. But what if we could operate in a way where some mistakes, especially for early learners or people that were trying new things or innovating in some way or getting better at their job and not there yet, what if mistakes were an unavoidable thing? And finally, what if excellence was more about actually pursuing excellence than it was about eliminating errors? What if people moved toward success far more sustainably than they move away from failure. So let me give you a framework to think about that might help organize these somewhat competitive points of view. I like to think about accountability in a way that contrasts it from other kinds of thinking. And I do this by using some description descriptors that are at opposite ends of a spectrum. So I want to frame up accountability a little differently. So we'll use some words that describe the, the, the extremes. I use four of these descriptors to illustrate accountability. And, and here's, here's how that works. The, the first descriptor that I use is, is solution thinking versus problem thinking. So you could think of solution being at one end of a spectrum and problem being at another. We all know that people spend most of their thoughts on what is not working, what's broken, what isn't right, what needs attention in order to make it better. We have certainly met people like that in our lives that spend a great deal of their time focused on what's not working, focused on on the things that are wrong in our world or in our business or in our job. then we also may may know some people that spend most of their time thinking on thinking about what might work what we could try next to make things better what new ideas we might put into place or what changes we could make to be more effective that's solution thinking and you can listen to people talk in any environment a work environment a non-work environment and if you're paying attention to that and you're thinking about it in this, in this way, you will pretty quickly identify them as sort of a, a solution-based thinker or a problem-based thinker. So that's sort of the first set of competing descriptors that we have here as we think about accountability. The next one that I want to explore is past thinking versus future thinking. Now, certainly we have to do some of both in our lives, but we will start to find a, a predominantly leaning sort of focus for most people. 
And we all know people who spend most of their time thinking about their past, what happened yesterday, what high school was like for them, the good old days around this place when we used to do things differently. And you get the idea, right? You can compare that pretty effectively with future thinking, which is more about plans we are making, goals we have in front of us, what we could do to make tomorrow amazing, or even how to tackle this project well that we're beginning. We're future-oriented, so we're thinking along those lines. Then the third dimension is ownership versus blame. So ownership, you, you know, is, is very different when you think about how people put this in context. When they're blame-focused, it usually looks like, hey, who screwed up? Which person did that? Or if it's an individual, kind of why someone else made me less effective in my job. So it's their fault. And that's what we think about is whose fault it is if we're kind of blame focused. Ownership looks more like, hey, how could I have had more impact on this situation? What could I do differently that might be helpful? What could I have done that might be helpful? What could I shift about the way I work to make this better? You, you can see some overlap on these themes, but it's really helpful to explore each of these sets of descriptors because they give us a, a way to work with, with this context. The last competing set of descriptors is kind of proactive versus reactive. So what we're doing here is we're thinking about people that are focused largely on planning versus just showing up and not planning. So some people show up for their day ready to deal with whatever comes at them. They just deal with the fires and the storm as they erupt. They stand with their sword and take on all comers and all challenges. Others plan for the day they want to have, and they work to get ahead of the challenges and problems by thinking about things before they happen. How do I prepare to be successful today? What are the things I need to be spending my time on? Who can, who can I help that I know will be better if I'm able to support them a little differently? Where could I teach so that people are better tomorrow? They're spending their thoughts on how they can get ahead of errors, not just deal with them after they happen. So when I think about accountability, it's actually those four sets of descriptors that describe it in this model. So if I have people that are thinking about solutions, they're future oriented, they think about ownership and they think about being proactive, well, that's awesome. Like I know that I have a, a, a very accountable person in that environment if I'm assessing that of another individual and I can even think about that myself. So if I'm doing those things, if I'm solution focused and thinking about the future and taking ownership of how I think and what I do and proactive about how I approach the work, then that is accountability. No one has to hold me accountable. I'm already accountable, all on my own. And I do things that help me pursue whatever my version of excellence is. Now, certainly as a leader, we want to do some work up front to help this person kind of align their version of excellence with our version of excellence when we think about the role. But if I've got somebody that's showing up like that, I've already got a fully accountable person. I typically don't have to supervise them. I probably don't have to correct a lot of their errors. Certainly, they're still going to make mistakes when they're learning new things or trying new things, but that's not somebody I have to follow around. 
Now, if I'm on the other side of that spectrum, if I'm focused on the problems that, that I constantly see everywhere in the environment, if I'm focused on spending my time all in the past blaming circumstances or other people for this current set of problems, and I'm simply reacting to stuff that happens around me rather than shaping it, well, that's victim thinking. And if I'm in that state, I can't possibly do my best work. I can't achieve my best future. I certainly can't build my best team thinking that way consistently. There's no way I can effectively lead on a regular basis when I'm in this victim state or if I spend a lot of time there. Now, let me be clear here. Everyone visits the victim space sometimes, and there's times we just need to go there. I'm going to go be a victim for a while. I'm going to take a walk through the victim space because that's just where I need to be. I had some bad things happen to me. They were out of my control, and that's how I feel. I've been victimized, and I just want to lay around in that for a minute. That's okay. Sometimes it, it might even feel like it's necessary. And then some people, even if they're primarily victim thinkers in their current state, they can do some really accountable things. They can take a walk through the accountability side of things on occasion. This is not about labeling people. It is not about saying, oh, you're the victim and you're the accountable one and therefore I'm going to treat you accordingly, right? And, and thereby doom you to whichever box you're in forever because that's how I'm going to lead you from here on out, whether you like it or not, or whether you change or not. This is not about labeling people. It is about assessing their current set of thoughts so that we can, as leaders, help them develop a more successful set of thoughts. There are days I feel completely like a victim, and it takes some real work to get back over to the accountable side of things. It doesn't make me a bad person. It's just a current state in my thinking. I can change it, and that didn't suddenly make me a good person either. It just means that I changed my thinking. I was prepared for a better day, a better conversation, or a better outcome. But we as leaders get to recognize that for ourselves and for others and help them shift it by the way we operate. We can help people move from victim thinking to accountable thinking and not by telling them to. But there are consistent things that leaders can do to build increasingly more accountable teams and hire people that that have a more consistent level of accountability as part of their habits and part of their patterns. And we'll work through those too at the Leadership Gym as, as part of our regular workouts and regular resources. But before we can even move in a direction that we want to, we have to clarify the destination. And thinking about accountability, just thinking about it differently can, can help us start to move in that direction. It can help us evaluate ourselves and others and our current state of our thinking. And it helps us think about what shifts or changes that, that might help us as we shift to more accountable thinking or things that we want to think about differently. Spend a little time thinking about your work as a leader and some ways that you can become more accountable in the way that you lead and also how you can help your team become more accountable. 
That way we don't have to spend most of our time looking for errors, addressing the mistakes by correcting them, or issuing consequences. We get to spend more time helping people plan for success, pursue excellence, engage in their work differently, and focus on performing at their best. Pursuit of excellence is not about aggressive lack of failure. It's about aggressive pursuit of excellence. And people move towards something they want in the future much more consistently than they move away from the pain and the present. If you have ever felt like you had to tell someone to do something different over and over and over, it wasn't about lack of information or lack of consequences. We could shift to asking things like, hey, at your best, how does this look when you complete it? Or, hey, what's your definition of success with this task? Or what do you want to learn this month that makes you better? Or what's your plan for having your best day on this job? We begin to use very different tools for behavior change. And we begin to help people craft a much better future when we help them move toward things rather than create a painful state for them to move away from. That is only temporary. Even if we do get them to move away from it pretty quickly and in, in a very visible way, it's kind of like clean your room or you're grounded. Clean your room or um, no playtime this weekend, right? No fun. We're going to take something away from you. If you don't, I might get the room clean. I didn't consistently change behavior. I just changed it in that moment. I get to do that again next time I want to change behavior. And sometimes we feel like this with people. We've been dealing with the same challenges with them over and over if they're on our team. Sometimes it's with ourselves. We've been dealing with the same challenges ourselves over and over because we're just telling ourselves to do something different, not necessarily helping ourselves create a set of thoughts and building a set of habits and patterns that now create a different behavior for us. So as leaders, we get to pick which one we're spending most of our time on and also which one we are helping those around us spend their time on. We, we can help them pursue excellence. We can help them think about a destination they want to move toward ahead of time, proactively, in the future, and as their best self and work toward it. Or we can spend our time sort of waiting for them to make mistakes or observing them consistently to see if they do, and then in those moments, helping them stop, make those, stop making those mistakes helping them improve through sort of that aggressive lack of failure. And as leaders, we get to choose which one we focus on. Choices are awesome. Have a great week, and we will see you in the gym or here on the podcast or both very soon. Take care.